0: Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast. My name is Stephen Railston, I'm your host today and we are recording after Manchester United defeated Aston Villa 4-2 in the Carabao Cup or the League Cup. Um, I am joined today by Tyrone Marshall and Samuel Lucas. Samuel, how are you? Very well, thank you, Stephen. Very well. Good to hear. And Ty, you in the Friday mood? Uh, yeah, getting there,
1: getting there. Give it another couple of hours and uh, I'm sure I'll be looking looking forward to the last weekend of
0: consequential football for a while, I'm sure. Yes, it's all coming to an end with the World Cup obviously now fast approaching. It's just around the corner. But Samuel, domestic football to begin with, we've still got that game at the weekend against Fulham, obviously. But we'll start with an analysis of Fulham. You're at the game, you are obviously in the press box. Uh, from... you mean? I mean Fulham at the weekend I was saying. I see, I see. I nearly tripped up, but, but not but not quite, not quite. Um, Samuel, so I mean, you obviously out the game. What was your, your snap reaction? I always like to get your verdict, really, when you leave the stadium. What were your initial thoughts? Because at half time it was a bit of a grim game. I was obviously live blogging from home, and I nearly fell asleep at half time. So was it like that in the stadium? You. You I, I a don't fought? blame you. I, I really <laughs> don't
2: blame you at all. Um, this, the first half was... Utterly unwatchable, and and summed up perfectly with that that Fernandez free kick that he he shanked straight to the goalkeeper at the end of it. So thankfully, there was a goal early on in the second half, and from then on, it was it was a very watchable game. It was um, you you couldn't take your eyes off it really. It was enjoyable. United were excellent, particularly after the changes that were made. Uh, Ten Hag. Last week, I didn't think it was a great week for him in terms of in-game management. Uh, I think the, the way he went about his substitutions was extremely flawed and not particularly effective. But by and large this season, his um, his in-game interventions have have paid off. And last night was another example of it with Garnacho with having a, a hell of a cameo. I mean, the standing ovations he got last night, he got more than... Than an actor would during award season. Um, that the, the supporters, when when the ball gets to Garnacho, the supporters are, are on their feet very, very quickly. Sometimes before the ball has even reached him, because there's that sense of anticipation when when a winger gets the ball, and that that's been a hallmark of, of of the great United wingers over the decades. That the crowd would rise to their feet. You'd hear plastic seats clattering against the backs against the back of them because people were saying something's going to happen and that someone. That person on the ball is going to do something. And uh, his his cross from McTominay's pass, I, I at the time I thought it was Ericsson, just the, the the drift that he got on the ball, the way that he struck it, um, it was it, it was a string to his bow. I don't think many of us knew that he had, but it was a, a terrific assist and his his overall performance was fabulous. And um I, I suppose really with with Ten half the way he did affect the game, he, he just made it more balanced. The, the problem with the front four starting was that you could argue that there were two left wingers and two number 10s. So the balance was always going to be compromised. Uh, the, the two midfielders, yeah. they're, they're, there are limitations there that we've spoken about chapter and verse. There's a reason why McTominay and Fred do not play as regularly as they did under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and when Ericsson came on there was some craft there there was some guile um i, I, I completely agreed with the decision to to rest Ericsson. he he, he did look quite um fatigued last week and uh, you know there, there were seven changes last night and i think that was sufficient rotation given the the lack of rotation there's been for midweek games for for most of the season but obviously there's that there's, a, there's a, always a chance that's going to be a That's going to compromise the fluidity, but I think it was more more so certain personnel up up top which was the problem. And once that was redressed, United were excellent. You you put Fernandes in the middle; he's he's always likely to do something. Credit to him, he was trying to do things from from the right wing, which he's his his position he's been playing in um, a a strange amount of times of, of late. But he's 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 got the right mentality, and that's that's why even when his performance level isn't where it really needs to be his his attitude is is spot on and then he, he can still create something as he did for the first goal whilst playing out of position and it was it was good for united it was a it was a good uplift after the the defeat at the weekend they're certain straight close to six years without a trophy the league cup is the earliest possibility they have to end that drought so it's in their interest to stay in it and they've got an, an eminently winnable tie in the fourth round. That second half was was really fantastic, especially after first
0: we needed it and we exploded into life. Um, but Ty, obviously, if we look at the kind of the, the starting lineup that Ten half named, he did have Donny van de Beek in the number 10 with Fernandez on the right, as Samuel's just suggested or said. Sorry. Um, Donny van der Beek, that's the third game in a row he started um i think he's been very poor in all three games personally i think the statistic was he's had just 11 touches in that first half last night and i think if you put me on the pitch i think i would have had 13 at least so how poor was that performance because it's starting to become really confusing why he's been named in that team i know there needed to be rotation last night but he was really really disappointing again wasn't
1: he he was yeah um but, you know i think the last week has been about trying to sort of get him up to speed and, and get him integrated in. Give him a role in that team. He he barely played until a week ago. I think it was a surprise. He was he was ready to start against Sociedad, and you could you, know, you could kind of make excuses, but well, you could make excuses for him then in that he'd he'd been, he'd not kicked the ball competitively for a long long time. He was clearly going to be rusty. He played very little football all season, way behind on match fitness, all the other players. But as the week's gone on and he's he's played and started these three games, the the excuses are getting harder to find. Um, you know, his best performance was at Villa in the league, I think, and even then he was he was average at best, really. Um, you know, none of them, none of those performances you look at and think there's a player who should be in that team. It's just, it's not working for him. And he, he can have no excuses this time because he's been played in his best position. Ten Hagers was asked, I think, on tour maybe in pre-season about his best position and said he's best as almost a second striker when he's getting in the box, when he's playing close to the strikers. He's had that this week in terms of playing that number 10. He's got a manager who he knows who's got his back, which probably wasn't the case with Solskjaer or Ranieri So we've got conditions to suit and has, has still not performed. And it does look like it, it's hard to make a case that he's going to be a success at the club now. It, it's difficult to see it working. It's hard to see how he gets back in the team, how he gets another chance. And it's, you know, I, I remember writing one game in the Solskjaer era when he played, I think it was a cup game and it felt like he was, he was playing a different instrument to the rest of the team. They were sort of, a very fast-paced um, orchestra, if you want, at that time, playing on the counter-attack. Everything was quick. And then it came to Van der Beek and he sort of slow it down and, and kind of play a more possession-based game. He's in a team now that should do that, a style he knows very well, and it's still not happening for him. So it is, you know, it, it's reaching the point now where it's difficult to, to see a scenario where he makes a success of it because he's just not, you know, he's, he's, he's not made a case this week that he's cut out for it at all. A clearly, about better team with Fernandez in the team playing Fernandez on the right is, you know, it's not ideal. You're not getting from him what you want, and when Anthony's back fit, that that going to go anyway. Um You know, Fernandez shouldn't be in the front three really. He's that, you know, he's the string puller. Originally, he's the number ten really in in that system or the more advanced in a four three three. So, yeah, it's it's been a pretty disastrous week for Van der Beek. I think it was, you know, you could argue now that this week was was kind of make or break for his United career. And I think it's it's clearly broken, isn't it? It's it, you know he he will probably stay beyond January, but come the summer, it, it might well be a Ted case that it's best for all parties if he if he just moves
0: on and and both look for something else. Really, he's obviously played under four managers now, and he's not excelled under any of those. So, his days are clearly numbered at the club, aren't they? And, and rightly so. Mm. Um, someone that is making a case, though, so Samuel, as you've alluded to in your first answer on the podcast, was ganacho as we've just discussed. If we delve into him a bit deeper, because. <coughs> He came on around the hour, hour mark and he completely changed the game, obviously, along with Ericsson. But I think Ganacho for me, was really the standout performer. He was electric. He really, really was. And that's not the first time he's looked so good, is it the last week and a half? He's really got fans on the edge of the seats, as you said. So I think you said in the last podcast, there's almost a feeling that he believes his own hype. But is it beginning to feel like that's justified? And also, obviously, we're heading into the World Cup now. What kind of role could you see ganacho having uh, for the rest of the season? Could he... Could he start, or would that be a bit premature considering his age? For, for Argentina. Sorry, I mean. no. For United after the World Cup, that was a bit of a. Well, he's, he's,
2: he starts for United last week. Um, right. Could he start in yeah, or would really. you have
0: him starting week in week out? Uh,
2: I'd, I'd start him on on Sunday if 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 Anthony's not fit. Uh, I, th- I think that he's young enough that he can chance his arm as a right winger. You've got to try that. I think that. That was a mistake last week, even though he was, you know, he, he did all right at Villa. But, you know, if you're Rashford and you're a 25 year old who's been playing for United for six and a half years and all of a sudden you're accommodating a, a t- an 18 year old who's had a, a couple of starts their name. it's it, You're going to have feel as though your nose has been put out of joint that you're going to have to go off to the, the graveyard shift on the right wing. It, th- this is a problem that United have as we've spoken about ad nauseum they've got too many right-footed left wingers and that's probably the only downside with garnacho is that that is his role and in terms of you know does he believe his own hype uh, yeah. clearly there've been some attitude issues there that um, ten hag and uh, fernandes have flagged in, in in recent weeks which is interesting because normally it's it's not the club that would would offer that up uh, that kind of information, but clearly they felt the need to to put that out there, and that's probably part of the learning process. In that they want him to accept what w- what he's got to do to to be a regular, uh, to to contribute as as often as he can do. And and Ten Hag in his in his analysis last night of him, he he also highlighted what he can do better. He also suggested that going to the World Cup might not be in his best interest because he's had a hell of a lot happen to him this year i mean it, it's it's an extraordinary year when you look at what he's achieved and if he was to go to the world cup as well which i think there's there's merit in selecting him given that i don't think argentina as top heavy as they often are when world cups come around they've not got the roster of forwards that they had yesteryear because some of those strikers or forwards have have retired or they're just you know I think in Dybala's case, he's injured. Um, that they're not the force they were as the attacking force that they were, I should say. And Garnacho is a wild card option. I think there's there's merit in taking him. What I love about him, I mean, there's lots to love about him, but he 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 wants he wants the ball. He wants as soon as the ball is coming to him, you can tell that he feels the that almost like that little. That that wave of excitement that reverberates around the crowd, and he knows that all the eyes are on him, and he wants to do something to entertain them, which tells you that he's a pure, he's a pure Man United player in that sense. And then you've got someone like Van der Beek, who over the last week or eight days, um, he's not played football. He's played hide and seek. He's because he just goes into hiding. He, he doesn't want the ball. He's just tentative. He's just completely out of kilter. And he's not a man United player, and we knew that a long time ago. And you'll have uh, some fans online who are, um, are fans of strangely of of, of Van der Beek rather than United. and you the, the giveaway is that when they say someone has an agenda, it's because someone is saying something that they don't like. And there's not an agenda against Donny van der Beek. He's been at United for over two years. Over the last week, he's had three starts on the spin. He's been dire in each performance. I couldn't tell looking at this video clip the other day of his movement off the ball against Villa whether they were deriding how bad he was or whether it was one of those packages that say look at this great movement and they're not picking him out because I think it was actually the former because what he was doing was not impressive in the slightest and if teammates are bypassing him or not maximising him that tells you that they don't they're not convinced by him either Fernandez for all his faults and there was going to come a point where he would be taken out of the number ten role because he's not quite aligned with what Ten Hag wants from that player in that role. But there is a, there is a sea change going on there. When when Ten Hag was talking about the number ten, he said we have this romantic um, idea of what the number ten is and getting on the ball, and he he, he suggested that that role was becoming obsolete. Yet if he's talking about Van der Beek as that that role being his best role, w- what does that make Van der Beek? I mean, Fernandez is not he's not your pure playmaker in in, in the Bronaldino mould or um, if, if you were to be Dutch specific, someone like Wesley Snyder, I suppose. Um, but he he does strive to make things happen and he can have an effect, even though he's going to madden you from time to time with with his wastefulness. But again, that's, that's what I like about you talk about character and how important it is. Fernandes has been shoehorned on the right far too often of late, but his attitude when he's played has, has been spot on. You look at the goal in Sociedad last week, he's the one who wins the flick on that goes to Ronaldo, then Ronaldo passes it to Carnaccio and United score because he wants to be involved and he'll rail against, um, you know, it, you can be a square peg jammed into a round hole, but you don't have to be stuck there. And that's Fernandez for you. With Van der Beek, he's had the privilege of playing in his proper position. And as I've said before, and I'll say it again, it's it's David Klassen mark too. United just need to accept he is a write-off. Ajax have got a lot of money from all the players that they sold in the summer. They need to go to Ajax and say, would you like him back? Name your price. Let's negotiate. Because he's it's not going to happen. He's just not up to it. Whereas with Garnacho, they already someone who's had about three starts. And in those three starts, he's done far more for United than Van der Beek ever has done.
0: Before Samuel's um, oh. Van der Beek analysis, he, he labelled natural, pure Manchester United player. I presume you both saw Peter Schmeichel's comments about Harry Maguire. Did before the game?
2: I, I did see the quote, but I've. Yeah, I think we all share the same, same view with <laughs> Peter Schmeichel and his obsequiousness after cartwheeling at Main Road, and he's, he's still trying to ingratiate himself with United fans. All these, probably about two, two, two decades on, twenty years on from Main Road, but yeah, I, I can't say I necessarily agree with him.
0: No, I, I think it gave everyone a laugh did not on social media and, and oh, hope yeah. that clip went viral. and uh, not for the right reasons. Um Ty Ericsson obviously came on with Ginacho. Um fantastic again. I think we all knew how much of a good player he was, perhaps in a, a higher, more prominent role. But I've been so impressed from this season. His quality on the ball, his ability to pick a pass and the and the pressure, and just his technical ability um is really sublime. So how impressed were you with him last night? And when you analyze Another, I can't even speak them. My words are coming out. I've not had my coffee today. When you were and <laughs> look at United's business, analyze. <laughs> yeah. When you look at United's business from the summer time, um, when you look at the players that are signing, the Sandra Martinez, outstanding, fantastic, um, and he'd be high up. But who has been the most successful signing? Do you think who's really stood out? Because Ericsson, it's probably between Ericsson and Martinez for me.
1: Yeah, I think it would be Martinez just because of the impact he's he's made on the whole culture of the club, the whole mindset of that dressing room feels like it's changed. And I think, I think Martinez has had a big impact on that. I think Casemiro too. And it does, you know, I've said it on previous podcasts and, you know, it's a little bit stereotypical, but it feels like the, you know, the, the heart of that dressing room has changed from being very English centric and domestic centric, which is what it was under Solskjaer. And Solskjaer said he wanted to build a team around the best domestic talents, which is fine. Now, Ten Hag, you know, Ten Hag brought in three South Americans in the summer. And it does feel like that the, the kind of the the heart of that dressing room is obviously still very important domestic players there, such as Shaw, um, Rashford, Maguire, born to play for United. There's <laughs> you know there's big there's big big players there still, but the, it feels like the, the, the beating heart of that team, the character of that team, is set now by sort of the intensity and the aggression of of people like Martinez and and Casemiro and and even Anthony. You know, they, they play with they play with it's you know you kind of go down a stereotypical rabbit hole here, but they on the pitch it always feels like you watch Argentina or Brazil or those sort of teams and they play with more passion and more not more passion but more character. You know it's an English trait, I guess, more reserved and there's it, it, there's more there's more personality on the show. I think in in South American teams. You look at the um, the Argentinian Super Cup the other day when I think there were seven seven red cards in in that game. Boca Juniors having five players sent off it shows uh... you know. Hipster, hipster, I know, yeah. Big <laughs> someone on the pack will really enjoy, enjoy that reference. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think you know, I, and I think that that shows in the celebrations last night, you can just feel you can sense the personality in this team more than you could last year, I think. And I think Martinez has played a big part in that. But if you're talking about best signing value for money, it's got to be Ericsson isn't it because he cost, he cost nothing. And I think when he signed, you know, we talked about it on podcasts, we wrote pieces about it, we wrote pieces before he signed about how it made so much sense as a free transfer just to strengthen that squad, to be a squad player, to be a backup for Fernandez. I don't think at the time any of us thought he signed to be one of the most important players in that team, to be one of the the main characters in that midfield. I think we all thought he was a good squad player. And you know, maybe if they've got De Jong he, he wouldn't be, but I don't think anyone's missing De Jong to a combination of Casemiro and, and Ericsson and it's you know, I, I was surprised at how big a role he's he's taken on in this team, but he has been. Absolutely fantastic, and it does it does it does feel like it's you know it's easy to forget that he is only thirty with everything that's gone on for him. It does feel like he's kind of been written off earlier than than perhaps he should have been, and I think this has been a reminder about the the enduring quality he has and he has been he has been excellent. I mean, but to be fair to Ten Hag, the the summer transfers I think have all been really successful, haven't they? It's it's United's most successful window in a long, long time, and as much as he drove those transfers, and I think we all spoke about how risky it felt. Some of the business was it, it seems he's got it spot on because they have all added something on and off the pitch to that team at the moment.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Ericsson gets on. Obviously, the World Cup everyone keeps on calling Denmark dark horses, don't But he told them in after tournament, so they were dark horses they...
1: last. Can they still be dark horses like three tournaments that's, that's my in a row? My point, that's my point.
0: Surely, they're, they're pretty yeah. clear now. <laughs> it was it Turkey in uh, the last tournament and they crashed out in the group stage
2: in the Euros? Yeah, it, it was. was. Yeah, 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 That was ridiculous. Know. Yeah, yeah. I don't
0: know. Yeah. If we go back to the English players, Samuel, obviously, Harry Maguire, look sure. Marcus Rashford all made the England squad. Uh, perhaps not surprising at all, really. Um, but Rashford, his eighth goal of the season last night, his transformation's been fantastic. For all of those who kind of might not know, could you discuss his contract situation? Because United have the option of an additional year, don't they? Um, but there is talk of obviously giving them a new contract.
2: Where, where's this come from? <laughs> it's it's it's. I don't think anything's changed, has it? United said uh, about a month or maybe longer ago that they they make decisions on players extending their contracts in in the winter in the new year uh, because otherwise the players can agree a pre-contract agreement with, with an overseas club and th- there's no way they're going to yeah let Marcus Rashford, age 25 marketability god knows how much um valuation in the current market god knows how much best part of 100 million possibly there's no way they're just going to let him leave on a free i think eventually they'll just negotiate a, a completely new contract for him it's it's not the most um it's not the most stimulating stories
0: No, in that case, then Samuel, I'll ask about <laughs> I'll ask you about Dallo, and that might uh, inspire a better response from you because Dallo's <laughs> improvement has been has been fantastic to see again this season. And I think that ball to Fernandez uh, for the first goal, obviously Fernandez squared the ball to Martial. I thought that was fantastic. Um, Wan was on not on the bench. Sorry, uh, Dallo is obviously suspended mm-hmm. for Fulham. So who could we see at right back? And kind of, what's your verdict on Dallow this season? And I guess Juan Bissaka as well
2: well that, that that is a good pertinent point in that Wambsaker was somewhat incongruously brought up in the um pre-match briefing Fulham but you could tell from ten hag's pretty withering assessment of him that his, his days at united uh, i mean they were numbered anyway i mean i don't know what the next level below that would be but he's not started since april 9th which was everton away um when, when when they lost one nil last season, he's had four minutes of, of playing time this season. It's easy to forget that he was one of the might have been the last substitution in in the Liverpool win. So that's going back to late August. Um, he was given notice before the end of last season that he he was free to leave. But of course, given his contract situation, his the, the fee that United paid for him in twenty nineteen. Uh, 45 million rise to 50 million there weren't any real tangible takers so united have been saddled with him and that's meant that Dallow has had to start um all, all their games this season i think uh, Dallow must have started the last 25 26 united games uh, he's the only player who started every game this season it has it has shown of late i think um, he was he was a bit unfortunate with the own goal against aston villa but he did very well as you said for for uh, Marshall's equaliser with that ball over the top for Fernandez, he's he's been he's had a very good year really since since Solskjaer was was sacked. As far as United are concerned, I think in terms of his career overall, uh, going to Milan did him the world of good, and then he had the, the the privilege of representing Portugal at the Euros because I think Gio Cancelo tested positive for COVID, so. He dropped out. Dalo went in. Uh, Dalo made his debut for Portugal. He did pretty well against I think it was Belgium in the knockout tie. They lost, so he's been on a very steady upward upward trajectory over the last eighteen months. You'd probably say in terms of his overall career, and as far as United are concerned, he has gone from from strength to strength with um, with the managerial change. I mean, he, he had a good preseason. He endeared himself very very quickly to Ten Hag. Uh, he he, he clearly bought into what ten hag was trying to instill in the team and he speaking to people at the club last season they said like at times you know his his quality might be in doubt but but his character isn't and i think that was apparent during last season which was obviously a, a complete disaster for united but th- there were certain players who in terms of their um th- th- their demeanor on the pitch it was clear that if, if united got an absolute thrashing it, it, it Clearly, did smart for them and, and Dallow. I think it was all, It was almost becoming a bit of a meme in that he would just stare motionless at the away end at the end of a four nil s- slaughtering. I think it happened at Brighton. It happened at Brentford, but I don't think that was necessarily for you know just just for appearances. I think that was just him being very genuine about it. And uh, yeah, he, he's another one. Uh, if, if you want to go back to your your infamous rashford question, he's another one that has that has got to get a, a renewal altogether because you only have to look at the clubs that are interested in him and have been interested in him since he went on loan to Milan that he is he's highly regarded on the continent and his career really should just go from from strength to strength from here. it's it's easy to forget that he's still pretty young. I think he's only 23 still because he, he joined United when he was a 19 year old. And it's it's a pity that he, he misses the game on Sunday because that would have been a hell of a run if he'd managed to have started all their games prior to the World Cup, um, you know, r- rather abruptly halting the domestic season. And there's a there's also a compelling case for him to start for Portugal at the World Cup as well. I think I suspect it will be Cancelo on the right, and uh, would it be Nuno Mendes probably on the left, the, the PSG left back? But you could easily argue that it should be Cancelo on the left and. And Dallow on the right, so um, he's 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 not had the best performances recently, Dalo. But overall, he's he's certainly been you're looking at probably one of the top six, top seven performers from United for United this season.
0: That's the kind of answer I was looking for, Samuel. Fantastic, but I mean, the, the horse is probably going to get the,
2: the, the, the rational question was. The <laughs> question gave me flashbacks to the the, the post post Queen podcast, which I think we're all trying to all trying to forget. <laughs> it, was, it was a surreal occasion.
0: Some PTSD going on there. Uh, <laughs> Ty, Burnley in the next round. Burnley in the fourth round. The game will obviously play be played just before Christmas in December. Um, Liverpool have drawn Manchester City, so two big guns coming up against each other. United last won a trophy in 2017. Uh, that is far too long ago. There's a trophy drought obviously going on. Ten Hag really needs to take this competition seriously, doesn't it? Because this is a real opportunity to get some silverware.
1: It is, yeah. But I mean, you were telling me Newcastle's name was on the cup, Stephen. So I don't, you know, no one else, no one else needs to try. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, it, it's clearly the, the doors are opening up in this competition for for the likes of Newcastle and um, Manchester United. With I think Arsenal have gone out, Chelsea have gone out, Tottenham have gone out. One of City or Liverpool are going to go out before the quarterfinals. <clears throat> so there are there are real possibilities here. United should beat burnley at home the the issue is what sort of team he plays but even without world cup players going you you've still got a strong enough squad i mean marshall's not going with france you've got De Gea who'll be able to play uh lindelof be able to play um tom and sancho. A. sancho of course yeah yeah so you know there's there's enough first teamers to to be involved there might be some later players get knocked out in the group stage you can be involved um you know maybe garnacho so Donny van der Beek, of course. How could we forget? Um, so there's, you know, there should still be enough quality to beat Burnley. They're obviously having a very good season in the Championship. And one the advantage they have is, I think the Championship season starts up before the Premier League, doesn't it? I think it restarts in December, like mid-December maybe. Um, so they'll have probably played two two Championship games maybe before then. So they will have an edge in, in match fitness and sharpness, I guess, whereas United will still be a bit it a little bit off the pace, but they have got those two friendlies in Spain, of course. But, yeah, you know, it's it's clearly an opportunity to win a trophy. I think everyone's been surprised with the strength of squads, Ten Hag, or strength of teams Ten Hag has picked this year. There was changes last night, but it was still a pretty strong team. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't games handed out to youngsters like we've seen in the last couple of years, willy-nilly, you know, shorty short was the only other academy player on the bench, I think. The, the strength of the teams in the Europa League was strong part of that was because they lost that first game to Sociedad and, and had to go that way. But, you know, it's clear that Ten Hag, he isn't a manager who looks like he's going to rotate a lot, even for league club games. So, you know, they've got, they've got every chance really. And you'd, you'd look at, you'd look at the draw now and you'd think they're the second or third favourites, aren't they? are are 2nd or 3rd favorites are not they they are probably second favourites behind whoever wins that Liverpool and City. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a real opportunity for them. Like we say, it's been, it's been five years since they won a trophy. Um, it, it's been a hell of a long time so there's, there's definitely reason here to to attack that competition and by the 20th, 21st, 22nd of December, whatever it is, they'll, a lot of those players will probably be ready for a game and, and desperate for a run out as well.
0: Bring on the energy drink cup, eh? the cup. and the Carabao Cup and obviously it'll be Vincent Company's return to Old Trafford as well uh, who's doing a good job at managing Burnley's first job in England. Um, Samuel, if we move on now to the weekend... Obviously, Fulham on Sunday afternoon, the last game before the World Cup. Um, We kind of of discussed this on the podcast when I was a guest, I think, earlier in the week. um, that Fulham have scored more goals United this season, which probably isn't saying that much, actually. However, it will be a bit of a tricky fixture away from home. So, what are your expectations, really, and team selection-wise, who would you go for an attack? I'd
2: I'd go with Karnaccio, try and use him as a right-winger. If, if, As I said earlier, if, if Anthony is not available, then I think they've got to just give him a go there. Uh, it didn't work with Rashford last week. It was never going to work with Rashford last week. Um, I, I suppose Langer will come into Ten Hag's thinking because he's he's quite a selfless forward, but he, he just doesn't offer a goal threat. The goal threat subsides with Langer on the pitch, unfortunately. He's, he's not scored for United since February. Um, I think... I mean, it's just as well for United in some ways that the World Cup is coming around the corner because I think on Sunday, and it should happen, but if Ronaldo is is well again, he will be on the bench, and and Marshall will be starting, and and that was one of the telling us telling quotes from Ten Hag's pre-Fulham briefing again. I mean, it went on quite quite a long time um, for a pre-match uh, press conference held after a game, and and. I mean, it was clear that Ten Hag wanted to talk quite a lot as well. He was he was pretty fascinating on, on a number of things. But when he was asked about Martial um, and whether he was, you know, it was safe to say that he was his first-choice striker without saying he was. He said he was because he said that he's hes the kind of striker that I like, my style. I think he used the words, my style. And th- that was apparent in pre-season because Martial started all the games for the first team. And it's just been... United's misfortune that he's he's not been fit enough this season to have a sustained run in the team. But it was so telling, obviously, the fact that he started against Villa, he got the goal, he was taken off in, as a precaution, clearly, just after the hour, because he's going to be saved for Sunday. And I think Ten Hag will be pleased that he can start Marshall, drop Ronaldo, whatever the result, the fallout is not going to be as profound as it would have been oh uh, sorry as it was uh, post city in early october because you know the games were coming thick and fast united aren't gonna have a game until the, the 20th or the twenty first of December I think in the um, in, in the League Cup against Burnley. So he I mean ten Hag, Ten Hag has no problem making tough decisions anyway, but at least on this occasion there's the added bonus of of making that decision in that you're not going to have the distraction or you're not going to have the fallout or, or a press conference a few days later and getting peppered with questions about Ronaldo's role in the team. I don't necessarily think it is a tough decision, really. I mean, Ronaldo came out of the team and United scored four goals. Um, they've had their best results and their best performances without him as a starter this season. Uh, everyone can see it, apart from most of his former teammates and his, his mates in the media who, by and large, can't bring themselves to state what what everybody else can see i think that's what you know with with Wayne Rooney he's as a pundit and these columns in the sunday times they're, they're brilliant because there's no there's no real favouritism there there's no real um you know allegiance to anyone he's very objective with his observations and he, he played with ronaldo for a long time you know, in, comparatively in football uh, 5 years but he he, he's, he he doesn't think twice about saying that United are better off better off without him. He doesn't think twice for calling out Roy Keane for his rather um, questionable punditry on the Ronaldo um, matter a, a few weeks ago. So I think Marshall has to come in. Obviously, Ericsson and Casemiro do. Martinez does. Um, Malasio I think might be the right back I don't think Lindelof at right back works and I think most people would also quite like to have Lindelof next to Martinez who th- those two seem to have had a pretty good understanding barring last week's aberration and when you look at the way Maguire played again last night how how cumbersome he is and especially for Ali Watkins's goal w- one of the underrated. Um, assets about Martinez is that he he senses danger and that he's he's very good at covering uh whether it be a teammate or him or himself and getting in the right position. If you look at the goal last night, Maguire just doesn't sense the danger. Jacob Ramsey's got the time to put put his head up and then play that pass and you know what pass he's going to play. And Maguire just doesn't anticipate it. And then in the end, I think it's Dallo is the one who gets nearer Watkins just before he uh, dings it over Dubravka because Maguire was pretty much flat-footed, so he didn't really do any do, do his case any. Um, uh, he, he 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 did himself a lot of harm, is what I mean to say in terms of keeping his place for the weekend. And if if Mitrovic isn't playing, um, given what a physical uh, handful he can be, although you'd quite I think him against Martinez would would be a, a pretty a watchable scuffle uh, that, that could unfold. But there's not really a compelling case to to start Maguire this weekend.
0: There were some people on social media suggesting that United should sign Mitrovic in the summer, and I laughed at that. <laughs> Rich, <laughs>
2: Rich, Rich Fay, who is not a United fan, said that to me yesterday as well. He thought he would be a good shout.
0: Mm, I've watched him quite a bit, and I'd say I think United's beyond his level, to be fair. Um, I'd say he's more of a, a lawyer end Premier League striker. <laughs> Tyrone, obviously, Mitchell Fitzpatrick, we'll talk about Fulham. Um, If United win on Sunday, three more points, it'd be 26 points heading into the World Cup. Um, How would you assess that start? And if you were a teacher at parents' evening, given Ten Hag a school report, how would you assess his season so far? What have been the good points and what have been the bad points? Um.
1: I think, uh, oh God, threw me with that. Then uh, <laughs> going back to school reports, um, you know, I think you've got to say that it's been a good half season. Um, especially when, if you know, if you assess it from the very start, it's probably maybe about to be expected. If you assess it from the night of the thirteenth of August, then it's been exceptional, really, because that you know that that defeat to Brentford was was seismic. It felt like nothing had really changed. I remember coming on the podcast um, the, the, on the would have been the Monday and saying that you know is this is this rock bottom for United probably not given how many times we thought they were rock bottom last season. It turns out it was, or at least we think it was. Um, you know the, the turnaround since then has, has been remarkable. Really, to, to be on the brink of the top four is is exceptional. Um, the defeat to Villa has has taken a bit of a shine off it. It's clearly not perfect. They're not, you know, they're, they're not. They're not beating those teams consistently enough. The teams, they're not the top six. They've done very well against the big six teams, City aside. Um, but those, those sort of teams, those mid-ranking to lower-ranking teams you expect them to beat, they're, they're making hard work of it. They're not putting them away well enough. They're not a consistent enough goal threat. So there are things to improve, but you know there's clearly a lot of progress and, and the plus points are clearly a style of play developing. You can see what he wants to do. Yeah, he's also been pragmatic with things like passing out from the back and, and De Gea's kicking and things like that. But there is, you can clear, you can see a, a philosophy now, in a clear style of play, and his signings. Like I said, his signings have all, all contributed. Pretty much all been very good. You know, the only, the only one of the outfield signings who's not really a regular is Malassia, who's still very young and very raw and has, has got plenty to offer as a squad player at the very least. The last of all, the rest of all made an impact and would all easily be in a, a strong in a, in a best first 11. So, so, yeah, I think it's been it's been pretty good. Um, you know, I think I have to say up to the World Cup. If they win on Sunday, it's been pretty good. If they don't win on Sunday, then it's an absolute disaster. And it's, of course, must must do better scrawled in red pen at the bottom of the school report.
0: Now, Samuel, if I was in charge of a school, I would sack Tyrone because if he was giving my kid no grade and all that analysis, I wouldn't be happy. So I'm <laughs> <new>
2: gradings <laughs> a thing of the
0: past, mate. You can't grade them now. It's got to be, got to oh, be encouragement. It too,
2: it's, too, it's too harsh or you have to... Too harsh to grade it. It's a number instead of a letter now, apparently. <laughs> it is a
0: number now, yeah. But we're going to stick to the old school way, Samuel. Before we jump off, if you can give Ten Hag a grade, please, and it, briefly explain why.
2: Ten Hag grade. Is is this numerical or alphabetical? Um, alphabetical. Oh, going off you know i'm a player ratings man as well um so this, I, is a, thought, this is a
0: good question because samuel actually has to think he's not just for, for 10
2: for 10 hog personally i'd um i'd assign him an 8 out of 10 so that's b plus I suppose is that it's, b plus,
1: it's at least maybe even an a
2: yeah i think b plus because i think they might have had a a minus if they were in the top four i mean it that They'd have to be in something like a ten-goal swing, and they'd have to beat Fulham, and Leeds would have to beat Tottenham for them to end up fourth by the end of the weekend. So I'd, I'd give Ten Hagen an eight out of a, eight out of ten and B plus. Fantastic. All or eight out of ten, all B plus, depending on your preferred <laughs> method of, of grading. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, well, parents, Stephen's over. Uh, thanks to listeners. Thank you, Tyrone, for your time. Thank you, Stephen, and thank you, Samuel. Thank you, Stephen. And take care. Thank you.